Welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast. This new season three, episode one, beginning in the study of the book of Colossians, a letter written by Paul to the church in Colossae, an introduction and a salutation. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. Today in this first episode in the book of Colossians, we will offer an introduction to the letter and begin our study with a salutation. All right, let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 1 through verse 8. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae, who are faithful brothers, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints and because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope and the message of the truth, the gospel that has come to you is bearing fruit and growing all over the world just as it has among you since the day you heard it and recognized God's grace in the truth. You learned this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow slave. He is a faithful servant of the Messiah on, in your, on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. Well, Colossae. Colossae, ancient Colossae, was an intellectual city where Christianity was not always welcome or was seen as being unfriendly to other well-trenched religious ideas. This challenge to the faith of these Christians in Colossae concerned Paul, and although he did not found or start the church there, Paul was concerned for the welfare against the outside disputes or outside enemies. False teaching was a problem and needed to be addressed with sound theological teaching in reply. But Colossae, even at the time of Xerxes and the time of the Persian Empire, it was considered a great city. Colossae sat in the main east-west road from Ephesus to the east to the Cadmus range of mountains in the west. Colossae was in the Lycus Valley and was the first city seen by westbound travelers. Then they would go to Laodicea and Heropolis in the same valley. This is modern-day Turkey. And this area still, even today, suffers from frequent earthquakes, and an earthquake severely damaged all the cities in this area in AD 60. Colossae was surrounded by some very good pasture land for sheep, and there was a vibrant wool industry in Colossae, and there were certain elements found on the banks of the Lycus River that was used to dye this wool. By Paul's day, the other cities in the area Laodicea and Hierapolis eclipsed Colossae in importance. Now, Colossae was inhabited by both Jews and Gentiles. It is not completely known who founded the church in Colossae, but more than likely it was Epaphras, as we get that information from verse 7 in this chapter. Probably the church had been functioning for approximately 10 or slightly more years prior to this letter being written from Paul. And we know that Paul wrote this letter from prison or his house arrest in Rome. 
in Acts chapter 28, verse 16, it says, When we entered Rome, Paul was permitted to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And then we see in verses 30 and 31, Then he stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with full boldness and without hindrance. So Paul was using this time under house arrest, having been taken to Rome as he appealed to Caesar to address many issues in these areas. All right, back to verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother. Well, it appears this letter had two writers in both Paul and Timothy. Now, obviously, Paul was the primary writer with help and assistance from Timothy. Now, notice that Paul identifies himself as what? He identifies himself as an apostle. Now, apostles were those who were called out by God. They were ones that had known Christ personally and had witnessed the resurrection. Now, we know that Paul wasn't there because he was persecuting the church. And then he was confronted on the road to Damascus by Christ himself. So, therefore, he was, in a sense... A witness of the resurrection. Now Paul tells about himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 3, For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to over 500 brothers at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one abnormally born, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But God had given Paul divine revelation to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and without human intermediaries. We see in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, But when God, who from my birth set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me, so that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Now, Paul had every right to call himself an apostle because he was, indeed, called out by God. This gave him the authority to address theological issues in many of his letters, especially to Colossae. Now, Paul included Timothy here because of his importance to the ministry of Paul. Timothy had come from Lystra, or the Lystra Derby area, to the east of the Lycus Valley. Now, Timothy accompanied Paul on his second missionary journey and later would assume all the major oversight of the churches in this area. Now Timothy was not an apostle but certainly as Paul calls him he was a brother a true partner in the gospel. Verse 2 to the saints in Christ at Colossae who are faithful brothers grace to you and peace from God our Father. These saints, as Paul calls them, were in Colossae, making them Colossians, obviously, but they were also rooted in faith in Christ, making them brothers, as he also called Timothy. 
So we can say they were grounded physically in Colossae and grounded spiritually in Christ. You would think that they would be well beyond the effects of any heresy. Now Paul greets them in a typical manner. Grace to the believer indicates the basis of their new life in Christ. This grace made possible by the undeserved salvation God offers to everyone. So grace to them, then peace from God our Father. Peace was a prayer for peace for the readers. Both peace and grace are gifts from God our Father. Now Paul begins to tell the Colossians and, and us about the preeminence of Christ. I love this chapter. As we move toward a time of thanksgiving, we must consider what Paul reminds us of. Notice that in verse 3 through 8, as we get to these verses, this verses 3 through 8 is one very long sentence. All right, verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Notice about Paul's prayer life, that when he prayed for this church, he thanked God for them. He's informing this body of believers the, the apostle prays for them as he had praised, prayed for all the churches. And he wanted these believers to know that he prayed for them specifically. The prayer that he prayed for them hinged around the grace and preeminence of God the Father of our Lord Jesus. Paul believed strongly in one God and draws us to this conclusion in this letter in a masterful way. The source of blessing for this church was God, who was revealed through Jesus Christ. Verse 4, For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love you have for all the saints. So what did Paul heard about this church? Well, he had heard about their faith and their love for the believers. Now, faith obviously marks a church as a Christian church as faith in Christ is required. Faith is the way to Christ. And faith is the way that relationship is achieved. Richard Mellick writes, Faith is the sphere in which a Christian lives. And they also demonstrated love, this being in Greek an agape love, or an unconditional love love. This was a sacrificial kind of love, placing the brothers first above themselves, just as Christ did for us. But this kind of love moves beyond the brother to, ev to everyone they come in contact with. Now, look at how Jesus prayed for all believers in John chapter 17. He prayed for us as he approached his arrest and crucifixion. John 17, verse 20. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their message. May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be one in us, so the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me. May they be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they be made completely one, so the world may know you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire those you have given me to, to be with me where I am. Then they will see my glory, which you have given me, 
because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, notice that, you loved him before the world's foundation. Verse 25, Righteous Father, the world has not known you, however I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. The, this love demonstrated God, Jesus' love to the world and how he wanted to reconcile the world to himself. Verse 5, Because of the hope reserved for you in heaven, you have already heard about this hope and the message of truth, the gospel. Hope, they have a hope reserved for them in heaven. Well, this is a present reality for all believers. This hope gives believers assurance in heaven and a motivation for demonstrating faith to others. A hope that inspires action. Now, believing is faith. Love is serving others. This world is not the end. This hope we have comes from the gospel message of the truth. The gospel is the word of truth. The gospel is not the property of those who preach it. The gospel message belongs to God, and God uses it to save the world. Verse 6. That has come to you, the gospel referring here from verse 5. The gospel has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and recognized God's grace in the truth. Even today, the gospel message continues to bear fruit. It continues to increase. Lives are changed whenever the gospel and wherever the gospel is presented, and it accomplishes the work of God. The Colossians believed the gospel message of Christ. They believed about his death and resurrection that came for all mankind. This gospel message that relieves people of their sins and brings them into a right relationship with God as he had, had intended from creation. Verse 7 and 8. You learn this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow slave. He is a faithful servant of the Messiah on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. Epaphras, as discussed, brought the gospel to Colossae. His presentation of the gospel to them brought them to Christ. Epaphras now worked closely with Paul and has informed Paul about the Colossians' love for their God. This was the source of Paul's thanksgiving for this church. Well, I hope you gain from this new season three study in the book of Colossians. Next week in episode two, we will study Paul's prayer for the Colossians. God bless you today, and I encourage you to spend time in God's word. Another reminder that there is a uh, Facebook and Instagram page for Biblical Tapestry, and I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you've gained from this study. God bless you, and I pray that you are well.